0: hi i'm dr amy robbins and welcome to life death and the space between podcast i'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium and here we explore life death consciousness and what it all means today i have william peters on the show and william is someone that i had on my list to reach out to so i was really excited when i found out that he had a book coming out called at heaven's door and his um publisher publicist we had a whole conversation about what's what before we started reached out to me so a little bit about williams william william is the founder of the shared crossing project whose mission is to positively transform relationships to death and dying through education and raising awareness about shared crossings and their healing benefits as the director of the shared crossing research initiative scri William and his team collect and study extraordinary end-of-life experiences called shared crossings. William is a global leader in shared death studies and end-of-life phenomenon. He has developed methods to facilitate the shared death experience and to assist experiencers in meaningfully integrating their experiences. He is a psychotherapist at the Family Institute of Santa Barbara where he specializes in end-of-life counseling as a means towards psycho-spiritual evolution. William has presented at the American Academy of Hospice and Palliative Medicine Annual Conference. His research on the shared death experience has been published by the American Journal of Hospice and Palliative Medicine, and additional research on end-of-life experiences has been accepted and awaiting publication by the Omega Magazine. William's book, entitled "At Heaven's Door: What Shared Journeys to the Afterlife Teach Us About Dying Well and Living Better," will be published by Simon and Schuster tomorrow. I guess January 11th. It's January 10th when we're recording this. Um, his work is informed by his two NDEs and a variety of shared death experiences while serving as a hospice worker with the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco. Welcome, William.
1: Thank you so much, Amy. Pleasure to be here.
0: Hi, everybody. This month, I'm asking for your support on Patreon. So if you haven't had a chance yet um, to listen to my first episode of the year, go ahead and take a listen to that. And I explain a little bit more about why I am so passionate about Patreon. And one of the experiences that I had this this just this past December with some of my patrons where we had a one-hour Zoom call. We were able to chat about everything and anything they wanted to talk to me about. And it was an amazing experience, I think for them, but certainly for me as well. So please head on over to Patreon and help support the show. You can give any amount, five, 10, $20. You can give less than that, but any little bit helps in supporting life, death, and the space between. Also make sure you're following me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. And if you are interested in receiving my newsletter, which has bi-weekly soul wisdoms, Please head on over to DrAmyRobbins.com and subscribe to my newsletter. Lastly, I'm still taking ghost stories for this year. Uh, I don't have any more. So, or maybe I have one more. So, if you have a ghost story to share, please send that to team at Dr. and I will be excited to share it on my show. Hi. So, today's conversation is going to be broken up into two episodes with William Peters. It was such a fascinating conversation that I did not want to cut it off, and I had so many questions I wanted to get in for you all and for myself, frankly, that I wanted to make sure that I could capture all of that. So enjoy part one of this week's episode. Be here. Quite quite a bio there. So I'm so excited to talk with you about this. I had Raymond Moody, Moody on a while back, but oh. you're really sort of new. Maybe not so new, but you are kind of seems like taking over where maybe his work started a little bit. Um, So tell us first about your near-death experiences. And do you feel like those kind of opened you up to all of this?
1: Sure. Um, I would say, I would answer your second question uh, affirmatively. As I look back, it seems pretty clear that my early uh, near-death experiences did orient me to this terrain that lives between the human life and what lies beyond. Uh, so yeah, my first near death experience occurred when I was 17 years old, I was skiing in Lake Tahoe, California and took a very, um, you know, bad accident, high speed crushed my spine and was catapulted out of my body. Didn't have any, well, basically the lights went out of my body all the energy just went dark and all I remember was like I still had awareness that of darkness and no feeling or anything it wasn't unpleasant it was just that there was no sensation of my body my physical body next thing I remember I could see my body on the ski slopes and I was moving rapidly away from it and I was enamored. It was beautiful. I could see Lake Tahoe and then the San Francisco Bay and Colorado Rockies and continental North America. And then like a satellite picture, uh, the earth and the solar system. And I noticed my life was being reviewed in front of me, every snippet of it and learning about cause and effect, karma and how every action matters. Um, And then Then I'm in this tunnel, uh, looking through this kind of hazy tunnel into a beautiful galaxy. Once again, very comfortable. And then when I saw the light, that's when I realized that I was dying and I did not want to die. And I was very aware that I'd been here, you know, many, if not hundreds of times before. And I pled with the light, which as a Catholic um, young man, I called God. I said, God, I don't want to die. don't want to die. Stopped in that light. I really stopped my movement. I was kind of spinning and moving away from planet Earth or moving towards the light, perhaps better said. In that light, on the edge of that light, I could feel the warmth, the love, the peace. Everything was fine, but I still had my will to return to Earth. And eventually, I felt a pushback, a very strong push on me, and I was moving away from that light, and and I could tell I was going back to earth, and when I telepathically received this message, uh, make something of your life, Hmm. as if to say, I'm going to give you this second shot, Wow! Um, do something.
0: Yeah, you better heed that call, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, and so I came back, and but it was a very difficult um, stage in my life that would begin after that. And that I was in a great deal of pain. Uh, I would lost my identity as an athlete pretty quickly, Um, uh, but it changed me. So I, you know, I was, that was my senior year of high school, went on to college, lived a pretty typical college life, although I was drifting away. Um, and found myself in Latin America and Central America soon after I soon after graduating. It was my first jobs there. And what is so curious about that is I was in Guatemala and and Peru, and both of those countries had civil wars. So I was very um, in relationship in a forced way with death and dying and suffering and poverty and disease and famine and dislocation worked a lot with refugees and it was a gift to me in a way that I learned how people were suffering and doing it with dignity or making the best of it and I was in a great deal of pain myself physically and emotionally because you know, it was a lot for me to be experiencing, and but but I was learning a lot, and I was I I never really wanted to go home, no matter how difficult it was, because it was such I don't know how to say it. It was just meaningful. I was helping people in very real ways mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, and in and in beautiful cultures with people who were very caring and kind and thankful, and so yeah and there i had some early experience uh, and early experience too that i'm gonna um not say much about about it right now but actually if, if people are interested in that story i believe it's somewhere on my website it's called campesino uh when i had my it was really my first shared death experience but yeah so that experience i had another one a few years later when i got back from uh living abroad where i was in the icu and had a blood imbalance A very severe one, idiopathic thrombocytopenia. I was actually uh, drowning in my blood, and I was saved. But for a number of hours, I was hovering above my body, and I was watching the medical staff. Um, You know, they weren't so much working on me because I was stabilizing, but I could see. I heard their conversations. I, you know, even remember the doctor coming up to me, approaching me on in my bed, and asking me questions. I remember thinking. Should I go back into my body or should I not? Um, I knew it was me down there.
0: Mm-hmm. And were but you I also realized,
1: you know, this is it's a great question, because when he came to me to get it, when he not, when he tapped on my hand, I saw him tapping on me. And then I realized, oh, and he called out my name and I said, oh, my God, that's me. He's tapping on me, but I'm up here. OK, and I had to I actually had to make a decision. Do I want to? respond to him from up here or like cuz i'm happy up here.
0: Right. That is fascinating. So you yeah, didn't fa- feel the tapping. You I didn't feel the tapping. It from above.
1: I did not feel the tapping. I could see when he called out my name, i could hear that he was calling out to me. Which is interesting about what kind of sensory perception we lose and maintain in an out-of-body experience. At least for me, I was thinking, and don't
0: they say that when the soul, like when you are dying, the last thing to go is your hearing from a, from a physical level?
1: You are spot on. Spot on. Yeah. As a hospice worker, that's so interesting. I'd really never drawn those two up, Amy. So thank you. Because sometime later, I worked in hospice, uh, Zen hospice in San Francisco. It was there. That I had my, what I would call my first full blown SDE. I'm reading to a gentleman, we'll call him Ron. He was a merchant marine in his life, very close to death. He was unresponsive. I had read to him regularly uh, without him responding at all the last few times, the last few visits or work with him. During this time when I'm reading to him, I pop out of my body. I'm literally above my body, above Ron's body. And I'm pleasant, but a bit stunned. And I look to my right and there's Ron. And Ron is smiling, big, big smile. All I can see is his face and his, and the light in his eyes. He's so excited. And it's as if he's saying to me, check this out. This is where I've been. Everything's cool and okay. And I don't, my interpretation is that he invited me somehow up there. I don't know how that all works, but there we were together. And then sometime later, I don't even know how much time had eclipsed, I was back in my body and reading. So, and, and he I was remember still
0: alive from a, from a,
1: Ron pivotal. was still alive. Ron would live a few, a couple, A day or two more. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's actually a question I had later on, which is, uh, can, I guess you can have, my question was, is it possible to have shared crossings with someone who's not physically dead? And then how do you understand what is happening with their soul when, when that's all happening?
1: so let yeah let me see if i can address that a certain okay. way so the shared death experience which is one of it's the primary uh experience end of life that i study and that my research institute studies there is also a broader spectrum of end-of-life experiences that we call shared crossings and,
0: Okay. okay and
1: those those include pre-death premonitions pre-death visions and visitations, a phenomena called terminal lucidity, which is basically also known in the common culture as the rally. Mm -hmm. Uh, People rally just before they're going to die. There's, there's the pinnacle experience, which is the shared death experience, which is what my book is about and what we'll be focusing on, I imagine today. Mm -hmm. And then there is also direct post-death communication that's soon after someone dies, uh, the surviving loved ones report that the departed is communicating with them directly about specific things, like, "Hey, you want to look in this drawer? I left my some information for you about my will, or you might want to say this at my eulogy, or you know, th- things like that." And then there's, okay. and then there's post-death visions and visitations. Which tend to happen a little bit later, uh, but within the, you know, within the first year is what we're interested in. And they're basically the person coming back saying, the departed saying, I'm alive and well, you can see me here and I'm with you. Uh da. dah dah. So I'm having
0: like light bulbs going off like yeah, crazy. I'm sure you are right now because I'm yeah. like, oh, I've had that, I've had that, I've had that, I've had that.
1: But yeah. I never
0: realized that they were sort of each these own kind of individual experiences.
1: They are. They're discrete phenomena. Now, not to say that they don't, some of them are hard to, I mean, take a step back. I created this continuum of experiences with definitions because the majority, the vast majority fall relatively uh, cleanly by definition into each of these um, categories, if you will. However, there are some that are border on, you know, on, on whether it's, a, you know, a post-death communication or a post-death uh, vision or visitation. There's some cross, there's some fuzziness on that, but we're not interested in placing in categories as much as we are as giving people a, a helpful map that can validate their experience to say, oh, I had that. And it's a known phenomena, And. This is um, the result of that. And this is what the research says about the purpose behind this. So, yeah. And there's one more I want to mention here, Amy, and that is synchronicities. Mm-hmm. So, those happen pre death, at death, post death. And synchronicities like, you know, animals ha- displaying different types of behavior that are that the dying or the loved ones correlate to the death. Like they're saying, my dog's never done that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of those. There's cloud formations. There's lights, energetic things, clocks stopping, phones ringing, digital displays doing all sorts of things. These are all synchronicities that uh, at first I was very reticent as a researcher to study because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going into the realm of fantasy here. Right. And But yet when we ran the numbers, um, and others have done this as well um, around the, these are kind of like probability and chance, you know, uh, coincidence, if you will. Can this be chance, coincidence? What's the likelihood of this? There's all sorts of, you know, quantitative data to, to decipher whether this is possible within pure chance. No, the probability, you know, there's no way these are coincidences. Th- these things fall well beyond that. That band of coincidence, there's something else happening here. Um, and it's profound. And, and the interesting thing is the experiencers uh, of these phenomena are very clear that these are communications from their loved ones on the other side. So there so, you have it.
0: I mean, I'm literally, as you're talking, I'm going through all the things that have happened, all of my experiences over time and how they fit into each of these different categories.
1: Now, I'm glad to hear that because that's our goal is that somebody like you who has these experiences or just one who might doubt themselves can yes. look at our chart and read the definitions and say, oh, well, I had this one and oh, and I had this one when my aunt died. I had this one when, you know, this happened. So, yes, and I'm glad to hear you give me that feedback.
0: So I didn't realize so shared crossing is sort of the umbrella term for all of these individual experiences.
1: Yes. And, and in, in the medical in the medical literature when they study these they be call, they are called end of life phenomena. That's the category it falls in. We call them shared crossings because the different disciplines will call them will put them in different categories or subject material. So in psychology it's called the paranormal in some certain spiritual circles it's called extraordinary spiritual experiences some disciplines will refer to these as non ordinary experiences well we probably just muddied the water even more uh, by calling them shared crossings and the reason we call them shared crossings is i wanted to have a user friendly term that people could use as they were looking at end of life. So it's user shared crossings are so much more relational than the other more academic terms. So which I tried to put some heart into it. And, and yeah, does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So you so before when, when we were talking, now I'm like, maybe I'm not actually a medium. Maybe I'm just someone who has shared crossings all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think there are people, we call them adepts. Uh, We have what we call shared crossing adepts. And those are people who, for whatever reason, we can talk about the reasons too, um, but they have this capacity to essentially receive information from across the veil. And whether that means that you're... um, sharing in a pre-death vision while someone is dying in other words suppose a a loved one is dying and you're with them at bedside and all of a sudden you see them communicating or seeming to have a vision or a visitation from the other side and somehow you're picking up on that maybe even getting content um, from that or you You have lost a loved one or someone in your community has lost a loved one. And for some reason, you're getting information in visions, in dreams, or seeing synchronicities that are reminding you of this person. Some people might even be so adept that they know who this is coming from. And it's not a family member, but it's from somebody you know. So you get the message and you tell them that. So, I'm
0: an adept. Yes, I need you're to right. change my intro and say I'm a shared crossing adept.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, that's how I created this, honestly, is I too am an adept. And I think the reason for it is the one that that question you sagely brought up in the beginning is I think I was uh, initiated as is often used this is a term used with indigenous pre-industrial cultures about how it is that you acquire a skill or capacity and for me it was having a number of shared death experiences and all of a sudden this train this ability to go to leave my body to go into another dimension became known to me and and I can receive information from other dimensions because of that now.
0: I feel so validated at a level that I don't think like my whole body feels like, yes, this is me. I know that wasn't the purpose of this interview today, but I feel like, and I told you earlier, because we were talking about mediums and you said, do I call myself a medium? And I said, yes, because I sort of didn't know what else, how else to label these experiences that I've had, which all fall in the shared crossing category for
1: me. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's an important um, discernment because mediums have a particular capacity and that is that they can call out to disincarnate beings in other dimensions and receive communications from them. Mediums will be really clear that most of them, that they don't have the ability to call out to a specific spirit, even if they're sitting with somebody and that person's there because they lost a loved one. Very few mediums will say, Oh, let me see if that person's there. They may, they may, they may say that in a certain way. Some do, but by and large, most mediums just have the ability to connect to the spirit world. And they'll see who is responding from the spirit world to their call. They're typically sitting with somebody who they The spirit world is aware of who's there, and then somebody will. It's usually a relative, but it may not not be the particular, the the exact person they're wanting. Um, so and then psychics that's the other thing that we could discuss. Psychics more pick up on energy Mm -hmm. and they just pick up on energy. Now, there are psychic mediums and they're picking up on spirit energy, so Mm -hmm. and then there's intuitives, which is a slightly different and you know they're more psychic, but. And that even the, I mean, and then once again, the definitions um, are different for each of the um, capacities, and people personalize them as well.
0: Well, and do you traverse them? Like, does one allow you to? Does define to me what being an adept is?
1: Well, an adept. I mean, in in any field, there are people that are adepts. In other words, they just are they they're they're able to master a particular skill. Um, now, I don't want to get too far afield here because adepts, have, that term has been used in my experience, and it could be used in other places. But I have heard it used most with spirituality, people who have certain spiritual skill, spiritually adept. Um, and so, I think I use that term because. A shared crossing adept has some capacity uh, to communicate with or re- yeah, receive communication or communicate to the spirit realm or across the veil is what I say. Because sometimes the communication uh, it is always with the spirit realm, but it's more, I like saying across the veil because it's really tight to the veil. In other words, it's not deeply into other dimensions the way mediums can go into other dimensions. Shared crossing adepts are particularly focused on communication around a death and dying experience, either before, during, or after. That's what a shared crossing adept is. If you get a year or two later, I wouldn't call yourself a shared crossing adept. That'd be a, that, You'd fall into the camp of a medium at that point. Because now that death happened a long ago, you are now communicating not so much around a death, but with somebody who's dwelling in the spirit realm.
0: Okay. So it's like how 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 long they're gone yes. is sort of what determines whomever's ability to connect to like I guess you would call it further dimensions. Like they're, Yeah, they're, well.
1: That's a whole nother um, conversation about the different dimensions that that exist and are available to human beings when they die, when they drop their physical bodies, enter into the initial stages of the spirit realms. Um, we're focused on those initial those initial realms right after death. That's the shared crossing, and in, in a certain sense, the shared crossing experiencer is able to uh, participate in that crossing or have communication that is directly related to that transition, that crossing over. Our communication is what we study is really related to death and dying, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think what's so uh, interesting about all of this is that in terms of Um, where was I going with this? Now, my mind is literally in so many places because of everything you've said. Um, death and dying, it will come back to me. When you talk about the veil, what exactly does that mean? A lot of people say the veil is thinning, or you're able to traverse the veil. What does that mean?
1: So, that's a great question, and it is euphemistic in a certain sense. So, so the way I look at a death and dying experience is that it's an energetic transformation. And this is kind of the forward edge of, you know, shared death studies for us. Like what is actually happening here? How do we explain this experience of somebody dying and a loved one caregiver expressing that their sharing in or witnessing this transition into another dimension. So that, by the way, I just gave the definition of a shared death experience, which is a caregiver loved one expressing that they somehow shared in the journey from this life into an afterlife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so let's look at what happens at death and dying, really. There is this, there, the human body dies,
0: the soul, just so yeah,
1: definitely- the soul The soul, spirit, or consciousness will leave that host body. In other words, they've been in that body for a certain period of time to live a human life, to have a human experience, and now they're dropping it and moving on. So what's really going on here? Well, there's an energetic reality here that the energy is dropping out of the body. It's leaving the body. So this is an energetic experience. Soul, spirit, consciousness are energy bodies. They were inhabiting the human body and giving that human body life. Now they're taking back that energy and going somewhere else. Okay, so that's the experience right there. So as we know, basic physics, first law of thermodynamics, energy cannot be destroyed or increased. It can only change forms. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So that's what's happening right there. The shared crossing experience or the shared death experience, something is happening. And like as an adept, you may have a sense for this because I do. And that is when I'm at a death, either remotely or at bedside. And by the way, two thirds of our reported shared death experiences are remote. They're not at bedside. Mm. But I really like being at bedside because I feel the energy is a little stronger for me. But so it's what I notice when I'm there is as an adept, my energetic center, my heart space, that area around my heart and my, you know, my throat and, you know, just kind of more the energetic system within me mm-hmm. um, comes alive. It gets activated. And I think it gets activated because as that soul spirit of that person, I'm in a relationship is leaving this, that human body, it's leaving. And it's physically, I believe, going up because I always feel a pull upwards on my body. And that's what the research says, too. And but th- I'm in relationship with that. And it's it's their core essence, their core energetics, soul, spirit, consciousness is resonating with me. I'm resonating with them and I'm going with them. Mm-hmm. I'm being pulled up. Mm-hmm. And whether they're showing me or I'm just hitching a ride, I am now going with them across the veil. The veil is that energetic, also energetic um, boundary between this human life and what lies beyond. So the veil is an energetic boundary that we cross over. So our energy, the dying energy, and now the shared death experiencer will cross over that veil. And, And it's a different reality but all realities are comprised of energy. So it, it will call out different expressions within ourselves and different phenomenological experiences, most of which were, in our research, both in the shared death experience and near-death experience, uh, report phenomenal, I mean, just absolutely spectacular um, feelings, sublime feelings, hyper-real realities, um, this sense of uh, brilliant light, uh, everything's okay, increased knowledge and wisdom. People in the shared death experience will report, I knew everything when I was in that realm with my departed loved one. Everything <laughs> made sense. Uh, so, So the veil is the boundary between this life and what lies beyond. I gave a long explanation because I think that's what you were looking for a bit more.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. It came back to me a few things. So one is, it seems like a shared death experience cannot be dismissed in the same way a near-death experience can because you don't have the chemicals that that people who say near-death experiences are not real um, because you don't have those chemicals released in the same way that you do as you're dying, right?
1: Beautiful, yes. You have hit on a key distinction between a near-death experience and a shared-death experience. A shared-death experience happens for somebody whose bodily um, reality is being threatened. They're human, they're, they're facing human death. So historically, as you pointed out, The medical sciences community would suggest that this was a biochemical reaction to the threat of the body and dismissed it as fear death experience, as as some people call it, the fear death experience. But in the shared death experience, you've got um, unknowing caregivers and loved ones who are having this experience and there's no, they're in healthy mind, healthy body, no, no, no significant stress, certainly some grief, but nothing like a, 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 a near-death experience. So, yes, this is adding more um, validation to the notion that there is something, consciousness, soul, spirit, that survives human death.
0: And so what do doubters say about shared death experience?
1: Well, you know, the shared death experience is very new. Um, it's it's not. It doesn't have much traction in the scientific medical community as of yet. Um, I just, you know, my research team just published our first article in the American Journal of Hospice and Palliative Medicine. That was huge to get in there. Now they're going to have to negotiate with this. Um, and you know, I should say, I'm, you know, I I, I do assert that the research suggests that there is soul spirit consciousness that survives human death. But that's not a dogfight I want to get into. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like we need to honor these experiences for what they are. We don't need to understand them and be able to explain them for them to be legitimate experiences. Mm-hmm. We know they're happening. Qualitatively, I've identified the main patterns, uh, done a robust study, they're happening in healthy minds. So we just need to honor these for the beautiful gifts they are because the gifts that come from these are, and this comes from the research, that the experiencer feels that or expresses that their loved one is alive and well in a benevolent afterlife, and that they'll see them again, and that their fear of death and dying is greatly reduced if not eliminated, and their grief is, process is much more manageable. So
0: we're going to end today's episode here and continue uh, in the next episode, the rest of my interview with William Peters. It was so fascinating and there's so much more juicy stuff to be had in part two. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.